Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I am pleased to continue our conversation with Carol Valone Mitchell, a scientist, author, collaborator, leadership coach, and speaker. With a particular passion for helping women lead and succeed, Carol investigates what it takes for women to lead effectively. She wrote the best-selling book, Breaking Through Bitch, and developed the Women's Leadership Blueprint, a gender-specific, research-based model describing the unique profile of behaviors that top leaders have in common. Following the success of that effort, Carol turned her research focus to men who break from the traditional top-down leadership style to lead collaboratively, just as successful women do. Carol authored The Collaboration Code and developed the Men's New Leadership Blueprint that describes a set of behaviors that male leaders need to take in order to lead collaboratively. Companies and coaches call on Carol to help them develop leaders using the women's and the men's leadership blueprint assessment, as well as customized development programs and competency-based experiential workshops. Carol is also a contributing editor for HuffPost and has published numerous articles on issues for women in business that have trended on social media and have been republished on other outlets such as USA Today, World News, and Fast Company. Let's listen as we continue our conversation with Carol. Well, I love this topic and, you know, we could probably schedule a podcast just to talk about confidence and I am a big fan of and believer in confidence. I'm not always confident, so I'm not suggesting I'm, you know, the king of confidence, but, you know, being confident because it takes confidence to be vulnerable, right? They sound as though they're opposite, right? Well, you can't be, if you're vulnerable, you can't be confident, right? But in reality, and this is in answer to your work about being a coach and, and working with people is helping them think about, uh, you know, how you can be confident, but in that same vein, be vulnerable and be authentic and be honest with people rather than feeling like, well, if I'm confident, I, I'm not going to show vulnerability and I'm going to tell them what I think they should hear, whether it's completely or 100% accurate, may or may not be the case, right? I mean, these are the games that people get caught up in. And so, I think that's act. I'm glad that thoughts buzzed by your head and you caught it because I think that's a brilliant observation that, you know, when you think about being brave at work, people talk about, yeah, people talk about authenticity and honesty as core characteristics of being brave because it's hard, you know, it's hard sometimes to tell people the truth and what's actually happening. 
Yeah, I think being brave really does, you know, thinking about it when I was uh, thinking about this podcast today, I'm like, well, you know, being brave is about being confident um, and having the confidence to put something out there um, and be able to um, to push through any resistance. And you also know it when you see it, right? Especially if you're watching the news and it's only because those are the most public figures we see, whether it's a celebrity or a sports figure or a politician, you know, that's what CNN and Fox News always talk about and show. You know, every once in a while, you'll see someone do something or say something and you'll look over to your spouse or child and say, that took bravery. And there's some, you just know it when you see it, right? That's something they said. And this is why John F. Kennedy created the Profiles in Courage, which was to honor politicians who do things that demonstrate bravery. And oftentimes it's when you speak up against your own party. Yeah, exactly. And you can can see recently how people who speak up against their own party become vilified by their own party because you dare to say or do something that isn't consistent with our beliefs instead of honoring them and saying, hey, I think that took a lot of guts for you to say something we didn't agree with. So I do want to talk a little bit about the behaviors, Carol, you've identified in the collaboration code for men to be better leaders and to be more collaborative. And if I've caught them correctly, I'd love to read them. And I'd like to ask you about a couple of them. So the seven characteristics are tempering ego, which we've talked a little bit about, empathy, listening, respecting all, driving mission and meaningfulness, cultivating shared accountability, and developing future leaders. Did I get them correctly? You did. So I'd love to talk a little bit about empathy, because this is a topic that, again, you and I could probably just talk at a future podcast only about empathy. And in fact, if I was to do another podcast, in addition to bravery, it would probably be about how to be more empathetic in the workplace, because I think empathy is one of the most underutilized characteristics of a leader, more male than female. uh, And there might be some psychological preferences there uh, between men and women. But, you know, what did empathy, you know, why is empathy on your list? And, you know, why do you think it's such an important characteristic for a male to think about to be a better leader and more collaborative? Well, I think that uh, just in layman's terms uh, with empathy, I think step one is just being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And um, I grabbed a quote from actually Joe Biden's presidential address, you know, the inauguration. And I don't have an in front of me, but he said something about um, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. I think he credited his mother for saying that. But that's, I mean, that's basically what empathy is. It's it's being able to um, imagine what the other person must be feeling. But in my book, I actually go I I unpacked this because there was a book that came out while I was doing my research and it was the war for kindness and it was building empathy in a fractured world. And I thought it was a great model because it broke down empathy into three components. And I don't know if you really want to go down uh, to that level, but um, some parts of empathy are easier than others. And what I found is that emotional empathy 
where you are feeling or sharing the feelings of other people, um, it makes you vulnerable. Um, and for men, I think I think they they shut that down because they don't want to inappropriately, um, you know, react. They don't want to, you know, in a in a case of, um, uh, you know, just loss or feeling sad or whatever. When you're sharing those feelings with somebody, you might start to cry. You know, I think that I think that is the difficulty with empathy and men is that um, I think it probably does touch them in ways like emotional ways, and they don't want to to do that. Um, and particularly at work, you know, we're taught at work to be professional means that you're not emotional, particularly for men. So um, empathy, I think, is very, very important. And I, you know, I saw this in the men I interviewed and they pulled it off. <laughs> they pulled it off without, you know, without jeopardizing a professional uh, posture at work. Yeah, I think empathy is a brilliant leadership strategy, and I don't think it's weak. A lot of people worry about empathy and vulnerability because they believe it's a sign of weakness. And I completely believe and I have felt it when others have been vulnerable. Leaders, senior leaders, have been vulnerable or personally honest or demonstrate empathy, a feeling of greater respect and strength from them as opposed to, oh, I can't believe you just said that, or what a weak person, et cetera. So, <laughs> you know, uh, there are people who understand that it's important to know how others are feeling or thinking before they weigh in. Sure. And there are people, and these have been clients of mine, because, you know, I won't say it's the number one behavior that people hire me to work on with them, but certainly it's fairly popular, is how can I show more empathy? Because they don't. And they, you know, either through their own, um, you know, development as a person through from family and schooling, you know, they've not been shown to care about how somebody else feels. You should care about what you're thinking and be smart and brilliant and articulate. But, you know, oh, by the same time, you should also think about other people, right? There's not enough room for both. So, you know, think more about yourself. And so, you know, they have a gap in respect to even knowing how to be more empathetic. And when I say it's a gap, I mean, it's a gap. I mean, it's sitting down and talking with them specifically on, uh, you know, if you are going to be braver in the workplace, you have to demonstrate empathy with others. Because if you don't, to me, it's, you're right. not tempering ego and it's all about you and what you're experiencing and what you're thinking. And hey, don't forget me, you know, I have a voice too. So, right. you know, the, I'm, I'm thrilled that that came, you know, became one of the characteristics of yeah. your profile. I am too, because I think that, um, because I, I've looked at research about how boys are socialized growing up. And one of, you know, big boys don't cry. You know, we, we uh, as a culture, we, we work on suppressing the feelings of boys, the emotions of boys so that they are more stoic and strong. And I think that, um, I think those, those issues um, have their fingerprints all over the kind of male leadership that we would rather see go away. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's right. 
Well, in addition to empathy, which again, I'm thrilled uh, made your list based on the research that you did, the other one I'd like to talk about is listening. So I think listening is also a fantastically underutilized leadership skill because most leaders, especially as they uh, grow higher and higher in the organization, people assume they know more. And so because they know more, they have to listen less and they tell more, right? So like the president of the company I mentioned earlier, well, nobody knows more about the industry than him. So now he's going to talk and tell everybody what they need to know and how they need to act, et cetera. Right. And, you know, he would benefit by listening because he would find that a lot of his people know a lot more than he might think they do. So again, how did listening become a uh, topic or characteristic for men? Um, It was actually being called out by some of the men that I interviewed because after a fairly open-ended behavioral interview, um, at the end, I, I asked them what what they thought was a critical leadership skill. And um, listening came up. And so I recognized that. And when I went back on looking at the transcripts of uh, these interviews that I did, you know, I could see clear evidence of, of listening. So they helped me. <laughs> they helped me by flagging that. And, and one, one CEO, said to me, um, he's very focused on continual learning, you know, and a learning organization. And he said, you know, when you get, when some CEOs get to, you know, you get to this level, um, you know, you have a great tendency to, um, to not listen, like that, you know, you think that, uh, you know, you, you think that you've learned, um, and there's always something more to learn. So that was, you know, one aspect. Another um, CEO, uh, he he talked about listening being more than just hearing what somebody's saying, but also looking at their body language and the dynamics in a room. He's listening to that in order to know where people are coming from. So listening came up you know, in, in a couple of different ways. Well, great. Well, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, the, uh, you know, attributes for the men's leadership blueprint include tempering ego, empathy, listening, respecting all, driving mission and meaningfulness, cultivating shared accountability, and developing future leaders, you know, specifically under cultivating shared accountability. Carol, in chapter eight, you talk a little bit about handling pushback from authoritarian male leaders. And this is one of the reasons people aren't brave at work is because they may work for somebody who is a know-it-all, tell-it-all, authoritarian, I'm the boss, do it my way type person. And, you know, I'm just wondering if you could help our listeners or just talk a little bit about, you know, what do you do if you work for somebody who is that way? Or what could that person do a little bit differently to be a more collaborative and less authoritarian leader? Um. So I thought one of the executives uh, in particular that um, I interviewed had a great strategy. Um, He was, um, he said that the way he dealt with pushback um, was, you know, I'm, uh, you know, as far as he was being too nice or too accommodating to the people who worked for him, 
um, he he said, "I'm not just being lovey-dovey. I this is this is this is good for the business," and tying it back to the business and how it impacts the productivity uh, and effectiveness of the team shuts up the the naysayers. So he really he found that to be very effective. Um, and you know, it's um, in some cases these men have gotten to a place where they're they're in a place of power so they don't they're not as vulnerable to having to conform to these um directive leadership styles you know they've made their way and now they they are in you know in in a powerful position so i can imagine that some men may read the book and say well it's all very well and good because when you're in the c-suite nobody can really touch you um <laughs> but um but listening to their strategies i think is helpful because if you tie it back to the business you know these the and you know one of the things that um is a real um business case for empathy and for having this more collaborative leadership style is you know what happened during the pandemic i mean how much did you read about empathy in 2020? I mean, and the fact that, um, you know, women were demonstrating it, men were not. Um, some men were, and it was pointed out, gee, you know, maybe empathy is a good thing. Look what it does. <laughs> so making a business case uh, clearly is helpful. Well, and I think you're dead on that uh, a lot of work still needs to be done. And I think we're in the early stages of it, maybe in its infancy about empathy, right? To look for great business case and great scenarios. I mean, there are, and I also love in the story you just told that observation of the male leader that the perception was that he was being too nice. I mean, if I was to get criticized as a male leader, I think that's one I'd love to hear, right? Because, uh, you know, if you're effective as a leader and yeah. you accomplish what you're expected to accomplish, you know, how is being nice bad, right? I mean, how can right. you be too nice to people? I could see if you were not holding people accountable or right. letting people get away and part of people's perception of you is that you were being too nice and it was hard for you to deal with conflict. But if you're doing all of that, another another great word is, uh, is being too nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and sh you had mentioned cultivating shared accountability and it is... Um, and I talk about servant leadership in that chapter too, I think, but it's um, it helps collaborative leaders hold people accountable because it it doesn't feel hierarchical. And uh, by cultivating this reciprocal accountability, it, it's like there's an expectation of you and then it, there's an expectation of me to be able to enable that um shared goals so um and that of course gets into shared purpose and mission which is a whole other topic we could get into but getting back to the cultivating shared accountability i think one of the difficulties that collaborative leaders have particularly if they've um been promoted from a, a technical position and they're now um in a in a leadership role that has people they used to work with as peers under them. Um, 
having cultivating shared accountability does allow them to manage expectations and accountability in a collegial way. So, um, so I think that's a very important organizational leadership skill that I saw in these collaborative leaders. Well, fantastic, Carol. Again, your new book is called The Collaboration Code, How Men Lead Culture Change and Nurture Tomorrow's Leaders. I've read it. I loved it. And I'm just wondering how folks can get in touch with you, Carol, if they'd like to talk a little bit more about your your books or the work that your organization does. Um, so I would invite anyone who uh, has any questions or would like to, to talk to just directly email me. Um, my email address is C as in Carol, V as in, v as in Valone, Mitchell at uh, TSPHR.com. They can also reach me, contact me through uh, my website, which is carolvalonemitchell.com. Terrific. And do you promise to come back once your third book is published on bringing together men and women's leadership styles? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think Great. I think that is probably down the road, but it's for sure I will be back. That's okay. We're not going to hold you to a time, but uh, <laughs> just an open offer. So, Carol, thank, th you. thank you so much for sharing your research and your observations and insights as it pertains to collaboration, which, of course, is a key component of being braver in the workplace. Thank you, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Apple, Google, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week. <laughs>